Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Zock and this is Unlocking Mindset. Mindset is incredibly important and with everything going on in the world today, we need a healthy mindset now more than ever. The purpose of this podcast is to connect you with thought leaders that can help you adopt a healthier frame of mind. I'm really excited about today's podcast for two reasons. Number one, it's the first episode of Unlocking Mindset. And number two, I'll be speaking with Sally Helgeson. Sally is widely regarded as the gold standard when it comes to women's leadership. She's a published author of multiple books and has presented thousands of workshops to women leaders all over the world. Sally's most recent book is How Women Rise, Break the Habits, Holding You Back from Your Next Raise, Promotion, or Job. In this inaugural episode of Unlocking Mindset, Sally and I will be talking about wholehearted leadership under uncertain times with a focus on mind over matter. Let's talk to Sally. Hi, Sally. Welcome to the call today. My pleasure, Jennifer. Good to be here. Yes, good to have you. I'd like to begin by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. Certainly. Um, For the last 30 years, I have worked in the field of women's leadership as a speaker, consultant, leadership coach, and of course, an author. I've written seven books in the field, most recently, How Women Rise, uh, co-authored with Marshall Goldsmith. Uh, And uh, it's been extremely gratifying, and I've had a kind of front row seat to watch how women leaders and women's leadership have evolved. Wonderful. I'd like to frame our conversation today within the context of wholehearted, courageous leadership during the uncertain times that we're all facing right now. Your most recent book that you mentioned that you co-authored with Marshall Goldsmith, How Women Rise, examines the behaviors most likely to get in the way of successful women. During this crisis, What behaviors do women leaders need to watch out for the most? You know, I would say there are a couple. Um, One of the habits in there is um, letting your radar distract you. Um, Women have a great capacity for what I call broad spectrum notice. That is picking up a lot of cues from how people are feeling and how information is landing on people. Uh, That's a great capacity and it, um, it is a wonderful uh, thing to engage as a leader. If you have a, a leader who's really good at picking up how people are feeling, that leader is more likely to be empathic and to be a good listener. However, having that broad spectrum notice, which I liken to a radar, whereas more men are likely to have a kind of laser-like way of noticing uh, and employing their attention, having that radar notice can be destabilizing because you you can have a difficult time filtering out a lot of information. And I think in a time of enormous stress, rapid change, and unpredictability, uh, radar is both especially important and potentially destabilizing. So the need to discipline our radar while honoring it is very important in this time. So that's one thing. Okay. And do you have tips for women on how they can discipline that radar? Yes, I do. You know, many women say to me, 
I've really got a very active radar. And um, so what I, what I need to do is focus on suppressing it. And that's exactly what you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, your radar is a gift and it brings you lots of information. But you want to be able to, even as you acknowledge that you're noticing a lot of things, you want to stay focused on what you're trying to achieve and how you're showing up for the person in front of you. So I think if you can discipline, I'm using the word discipline again, but I think if you can get in the habit of saying to yourself, almost mentally, okay, I'm noticing a lot that's going on here and that's important information, but what I need to be is focused on, on what I'm trying to contribute, what I'm trying to achieve. So I will, I will remember a lot of what I noticed, but right now I'm going to focus on this. And, and one of the ways to do that, you know, we can, the issue with radar is it can be distracting. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to um, minimize is its capacity to distract us. I was uh, on a webinar yesterday in Brazil, um, sponsored by the U.S. Embassy, and um, one of the participants was very interesting. She was talking, we were talking about the importance of presence, mm -hmm. and she was saying that one of the things she's developed the habit of doing is to every time she is in an interaction with someone, uh, taking 10 seconds at the beginning to think, before she says anything, how do I want to show up here? And I think that's a brilliant, brilliant idea. And, you know, in this time that we're in now, which is so challenging, I think we can use that at home as well as at work with as we communicate with colleagues, most of us uh, virtually, uh, as we communicate with people, we can always remind ourselves, how do I want to show up? What am I trying to contribute? What am I trying to do here? So that we don't turn our radar off. We honor it. We recognize it is a great gift, but that we also are very clear about not letting it destabilize us. That's great advice. And yeah, that's a great reflective question of how do I want to show up? And, you know, additionally, a person can ask, who do I want to be? Yes. Exactly. It, because it really sets the tone for the, the conversation, for the relationship. In addition to, to the radar and noticing a lot, because that's a big part of who I am, I also find that it can be very physically and emotionally exhausting. Yes, exactly. Do you have any insight to share around that? I do. I think that, you know, that it's really important to the science, scientific, especially neuroscience, tells us that the real causes of exhaustion when we're working are trying to do two things at once. It's not so much working hard or doing a lot, but it's trying to do two things at once because our mind perceives it as an overload when we're trying to do two things at once. So um, those of us who are in the habit 
of say multitasking, trying to accomplish two things at once, uh, you know, talking on the phone while, you know, scanning emails, whatever that is. And of course, again, really challenging now when so many people are working virtually, working at home, um, it, it's, you know, the dis possibilities for distraction are many. But recognizing that what we really want to do is to get in the habit of having an awareness about multitasking. I'm not saying never multitask. I think that's basically impossible in the world we live in now. But really be aware that we are making a choice every time we multitask and that the consequences of that choice are that it makes it harder to be intentional about what we're doing much harder to be intentional about what we're doing, and that we are also choosing to ramp up our own potential for feeling exhausted. Um, so that's, I think that's really important for now. One thing, you know, we find is that what refreshes people, the nature of what refreshes people has a lot to do with getting outdoors, getting into nature, having some sunlight on your face, Really very important to remember, again, with so many people working at home, to take the time to do that even for a couple minutes. Your mind does not perceive, you know, being on a Peloton while you're checking emails or the stock market um, as, a, as downtime. So downtime, your mind perceives as really specific things that are often rooted in nature. So taking the time to do that, even for a couple minutes um, during the day when you can, is very, very important to avoid that feeling of exhaustion. And then also, of course, breathing, remembering to breathe as we get anxious, as we get fearful, as we take in a lot of information, we are autonomic um, nervous system, will cause us to hold our breath. So always ask, you know, am I breathing? And um, one tip I learned uh, from a, a meeting I was in with a woman who's a, a coach, but also has done a lot of work with, with yoga. She said, your body really gets the refreshment on the out-breath, not the in-breath. And that was really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And so I adapted that myself. You know, think about it, Jennifer. Let's breathe for a minute. Let's take one long breath in and then one long breath out. We'll encourage everybody listening to do the same. And, and just be, become aware of the difference. I'll do it now. So that out breath through the, through the nose, very, very calming. So that's something we can always do. Yeah, and the nervous system really, really needs that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that We're is... We're on high alert right now. Right. We're on high alert. Um, and um, so it's especially important now. Yeah, and we're going to be on high alert for a while here. And I have a question from my good friend, Kelly Buchanan. Mm -hmm. And her question is, do you have any guiding principles that help keep you centered? I do. Okay. Um, three things I think are keep us 
keep us centered. And when I do workshops on how women rise, we've got 12 habits of behavior in that book that can get in the way of successful women. But I put them in buckets in three big areas um, that are essential for exhibiting, for women to exhibit, you know, real courageous, wholehearted leadership. And I think they're, they're really, it's a good template to keep in mind. And that template is three things. Be intentional, be connected, and be present. So it starts with intention. You know, there's a lot about, it's hard to be present, and it's hard to be connected if we don't know what we're being present for or exactly why we're connecting. So we want to be very clear about what our intention is in any given situation and about what our larger intention is for what we want to contribute to the world. And I used the language of contribution very deliberately uh, as opposed to the language of achievement because I think it's more resonant for a lot of women. Um, what do we want to contribute to the world? What do we want that big contribution to be? And how does every day play into supporting that contribution? So if we start with that, if we start with that, we're going to be less likely to fall into certain habits, such as being, you know, reluctant to claim our achievements or expecting others to spontaneously notice and value what we have contributed, because we will be very clear, this is what I intend to contribute. So the clearer we can be about what we're intending to do, the more and the more clearly we can communicate that in our work, but also now, again, working at home to our families. Um, you know, what am I trying to contribute today to the world? How can we all support that? What are you trying to contribute? How can I support that? So just getting your intention really well-ordered is the strongest place to start. Um, and then I think also, again, especially now when we're all you know, when there's so much fear and so much concern and worry and uncertainty, staying as connected as we can is really important. And I know for myself, when this hit, um, when we really, I'm in uh, the Hudson Valley of New York, and I just gotten back from California on March 9th, and I had a preview of what was coming. I was one of six people in the San Jose Marriott Hotel, which is enormous. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was very clear what was coming. And uh, when I got home, uh, I was talking to a lot of colleagues and everybody's saying, oh, I've got to, to pivot to delivering my content virtually and I'm, I'm gonna start doing this, that and the other. And I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take two weeks to connect with people and connect with colleagues, clients, extended family, people I went to high school with who I haven't talked to since our reunion, mm -hmm. whoever, college friends, um, you know, people that I know in New York City, you know, who may be sick or have children who are sick. Um, it is, it's really important to connect. And I think at this time, we realize the preciousness of human life. That's so important. So intentional, connected, and present, which, uh, you know, really comes from not multitasking, disciplining our radar, uh, and 
thinking about how we want to show up in every interaction. I think that really is a great way to demonstrate and inhabit wholehearted um, and courageous leadership. That is great. Yes, that is, you know, those three buckets, the intention, connection, and being present. And I can speak from my own experience in terms of intention. I have I've added to my journaling practice, asking myself the question at the beginning of the day, what good shall I do? And then at the end of the day, two questions. The first one is, what good did I do? And mm. what good was done unto me? Mm. So that adds the uh, gratitude portion into the, the journaling practice and being intentional. That's a wonderful thing to do. I think that really, you know, you are demonstrating intention just by doing that. It's been very helpful. And as far as connecting with people to one of my top five values is relationships. So my answer to social distancing is before all of this, this happened, I stocked up on cards at our local independent bookstore. And I've been sending cards along with a tea bag. And just as a means of, you know, touching someone, connecting, letting them know they're not alone, they're cared for. That's a beautiful thing to do. And I've found myself, you know, I'm making many more phone calls, partly because I know people will be home. Right. <laughs> that's, that's something. And people pick up the phone. Um, and I'm having more people spontaneously call me. I'm still trying to get a lot of work done, but I find it very, very affirming. And it's part of, you know, what I, I love what you're talking about with the journal. And I think, you know, on what you ask yourself in the evening, you know, what good did I do and what good was done unto me, that that, that will keep you aware of the great value of staying connected. Mm-hmm. I want to switch us a little bit here and talk about, you know, as we come out of this crisis, yes. what behaviors do you see leaders needing the most and what mindsets will support those behaviors because we know that mind mindset drives behavior so again what um behaviors are leaders going to need the most as we come out of this crisis and what mindset will help them in that direction okay that's a wonderful question. Let's explore that a little bit. You know, one thing I want to say is that I have watched, having been in this 30 years, is that a lot of the the skills that many women bring to leadership, like the taking a high value, put placing a high value on relationship, comfort with as opposed to tolerance of diversity, putting themselves in the center of things rather than at the top engaging people, motivating people. A lot of those characteristics, when I started writing about women's leadership, what I heard was, well, that's nice, but those aren't leadership skills. Those are soft skills. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's been so interesting over the last 30 years is to watch, I think, in large part, because women have entered the workforce and entered into positions of leadership, um, at a 
you know, at a fairly steady rate with, of course, as we know, some blockages at the very top, um, that, that our definitions of how we understand excellence in leadership have really changed. And a lot of those values, such as building relationship and the skills associated with building relationships, um, which are in particular, um, the skill of empathy and the ability to listen, listen rather than, you know, talk first and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but really, really listen uh, and skills around collaboration, skills around negotiation with an assumption that what matters is for both people to win as opposed to one. I think all of those characteristics have been sort of seeping in to how organizations understand excellence in leadership. But I think that coming out of this crisis, they will be seen, recognized, and recognized as more essential than ever. People have been hurt. People have been frightened. And people who are hurt and frightened and people who are uncertain don't respond well to being talked at. They respond well to being talked to. And talking to requires active listening. Um, and you know, it's, it, there, there's an interesting lesson. I was very fortunate because I've been in this for a long time to um, spend time with and have the uh, ability to observe Peter Drucker you know, is sort of the father of modern leadership. Yes. And, uh, and I remember Peter saying, and he's talked about this in some of his books, that but he, when he said it, it really landed with impact. He said, you know, when I go into a meeting, people are usually interested in hearing what I have to say because I'm, you know, he didn't say it in these words. He wouldn't have, he was from Vienna, but basically I'm a big shot. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and he said, so people are interested in hearing what I have to say. He said, so what I've learned is if I start a meeting by saying what I think, you know, everybody's just going to echo that. He said, so it is my habit never to speak until everyone in the room has spoken. And I thought that is such a counterintuitive thing because so many leaders walk into a meeting and this is about, you know, what I think and this is about me handing out, you know, what people need to do and what our objectives are and where we're going. Whereas I think that after this crisis, there's going to be less, less, it's not just less tolerance for that, but less, we're not going to see that as really leading. Um, and that, that those who have you know, really good collaborative skills and who can invite people like Peter did to speak first and who can really listen and who demonstrate the kind of empathy that gets people engaged um, when they've been through something. I think that's going to be that, that those qualities which have been emerging anyway as being considered real leadership qualities, I think they're going to be much, much more important than in the past. So we're going to see a sort of reshuffling in terms of leadership, you know, what we see as desirable in leadership. And it's one of the reasons that I, I always urge women to recognize the great value of what you have. You know, there, there are 12 habits in the book that get in women's ways that really emerged from 
you know, the combination of Marshall and I working with so many people over the years. But they're not, those, those habits in the book, those habits or behaviors, they're not bad habits or behaviors. They're just habits and behaviors that may have served you in the past, but don't necessarily serve you moving forward. And I think we're going to see something similar, you know, certain leadership behaviors or what were assumed to be leadership behaviors may have served organizations in the past, but it's going to be different moving forward. So don't think of, you know, that you have to change Think that you have to really understand, you know, be intentional about your contributions, understand what your strengths are also understand what your weaknesses are or you know what can use improvement what may you know not be worth improving and can be outsourced like you know if it's technical skills etc but um i think you know being more intentional about that we need to value and really hold close what we have to bring because the world is going to need it and that will be a good thing that that comes out of this i of of am of the mind that we have so many hurting people in the world and we have for a long time and hurting people hurt people. And if we bring more empathy to our relationships, to our conversations, I think we can begin to heal the world and make things, make it a more positive and productive um, environment and in our workplaces, in our communities, and in our homes that we so desperately need. I think that's true. And that's not, you know, painting a rosy picture. This is a terrible thing. And it's, yes, it is. it's going to take a very high toll over time um, on people's health, on their wellness, um, and and on the economy and the economic structure uh, that we've devised, which has you know served many people, certainly not served all people. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that said, I do think that that creating an environment in which these qualities are more recognized as leadership qualities is going to be a you know one of the good things that can come out of this Mm -hmm. yeah and as we begin to wrap up here I want to ask if you have any favorite resources that you would recommend to our listeners to cope during this time ah what can cope during this time read the poem this is I've been reading every morning there's a poem called breathing underwater it describes um, a flood. It is brilliant. The author's name, she was a, a I think a Benedictine nun, uh, is Carol Bielek, B-I-E-L-E-C-K. And I start every morning reading that because it helps me understand what this feels like. That's really, really helpful uh, to me. Of course, I'm going to recommend, recommend How Women Rise because I am inundated with messages from women who tell me that this is really helping them in 
this time. So I think that's, that's very important. Um, there, there are other books and resources on leadership. I love uh, Francis Hesselbein's um, book on you know, the practice of leadership. I'm not remembering the exact uh, name of it right now, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book that uh, she's one of my great heroes. She's someone I wrote about in my book, The Female Advantage, Women's Ways of Leadership, published in um, 1990. She's still out there doing good in the world, goes into her office every day, does webinars and programs for the U.S. Army, and she's 104 years old. Oh, wow. Mission-driven human being I've ever met, and her book is an absolute joy, and um, I think that's something that would really be a, a great thing that's inspiring to read right now. And then also, I have to say, Amy Edmondson, her work mm -hmm. on psychological safety in the workplace, I think has increased relevance in our environment. Yes, it certainly does. I have her her book, and she does wonderful work. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the poem, because that will be especially meaningful to our local listeners because we experienced a local crisis here in 2008 with the, the flood of 2008 that devastated our community. So that will be a good, good poem for people. It's a very good poem. It's beautiful and it's easy to find. You just, you just um, Google the, the name of that. It's also the name of a book by the Franciscan monk Richard Rohr, which is about the 12 steps, but it, because it's in that book and it was a very popular book, but you, you can also just find, you know, find the link to the exact pool, uh, you know, to the exact poem rather than ordering that book, unless, you know, that book would be helpful to you for some reason. Wonderful. Okay. And, and as we wrap up here, how can people find you, connect with you, hear about what the, the work that you're doing in the world? Sure. Uh, through my website, which is um, sallyhelgeson.com. Um, it's got a button uh, to send me an email that uh, I get a lot of email from. And, um, but also through LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I stay active on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn because nobody ever says anything negative. <laughs> mm, that's true. <laughs> you're fabulous. You're brilliant. You're wonderful. You know, no, there, there's not that sort of, you know, tearing people down you find on other platforms. So, um, you know, I stay active on that and, um, and, uh, you know, just love to hear from people on LinkedIn as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sally. My pleasure, Jennifer. I've really enjoyed today. I have as well. Hi everyone, it's Jennifer again. I hope you got as much from the interview with Sally as I did. I just love the three buckets that she spoke of, intention, connection, and presence. Again, I really want to say thank you to Sally. You can check out her work at sallyhelgeson.com. Again, that's sallyhelgeson.com. You can also go to jennifer-zock.com. Zock is spelled Z-A-C-H. For a link to the poem Sally mentioned, while you're there, be sure to sign up for my mailing list to stay connected and also receive a copy of my top 10 ways to be confident at work checklist. Thanks again for joining us. Sally's book, 
How Women Rise is available at your local bookstores. If you'd like to support our independent bookstore here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you can get a copy of Sally's books, book through Next Page Books. Email store owner Bart at NPB, that's N as in Nancy, P as in Paul, B as in boy, dot Nubo, N-E-W-B-O, at gmail.com, and he'll take care of you. Thanks again for listening.